How's everyone doing? Good. Three or four people are doing okay. So uh, I spend time with Beatrice every week. Again, my niece, three. Um, that's not the joke yet, guys. <laughs> I do. Um, and this past week, we were at the mall just hanging out, and she, there's a playground there at Castleton, and she likes to play on it. And uh, while we were playing, like, there was this family walking around with Dodgers clothes, and they had, like, pennants and everything. And they walked up to us, and they're like, you know, for, for the little girl, would you like a, a Dodgers shirt? And I had to remind them that's a choking hazard, and so she couldn't take it. You know, I heard their website even went down because they didn't know you had to put three W's together. Okay. Oh, come on. Wow. Thank you. I wish we do. Jason, we got to work out a rim shot at some point. So we are continuing the Upside Down series. And this has been such a cool series for me in so many ways. In so many ways, I love so much what it's about, and I love so much how it reminds us how to live. But it's also been one that I've been able to speak each week of, and I get to close it out next week. And so I've really felt drawn to it and tied to it as I go through uh, each week what I'm going to preach about, what I'm going to speak about, and just really getting close into everything. And it's such a reminder that the world thinks it's right side up, that the world will tell you Hate everybody. Do what you can to just get, what your, get, get what's yours. You know, be famous, be popular, do this, do that. Put yourself first. And Jesus said, guys, that's the easy way. It is so much more important to be upside down, to be loving, to, to be hopeful, to be like Christ. And so this series, each week we talk about that. And for me, I've delved deeply into the Sermon on the Mount. And if you ever want to really know what our faith is about and know what it is like to be a Christian and know what it means to serve Jesus, just read through those chapters. There's so much in the Bible, obviously. But those chapters of Jesus' sermons are so brilliant and so powerful, and it's everything that that tells us who we are and who we can be. And so I want to continue in that with Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So the interesting thing about this, there's a lot there. But Jesus mentions the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, and how it says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. The original intent was that was kind of the limit of retribution. You see, and it's so cool, and I love so much. This is why I love Revelation so much, but I love so much as you read through the Bible how you see God's plan for us and how perfect it is and how he leads us step by step by step to help us. And so if he had said at the beginning, hey, you know, what Jesus says here, like, love your enemy and all that. Like, people wouldn't have understood it in the way the world is. It would have been nuts. And so he set eye for eye, tooth for a tooth, so people wouldn't go beyond that. Because people wanted to double that. They wanted to go beyond, beyond, beyond. But what happened is what happens so often. Because as believers, sometimes we look for the line and try to stay right at it. Because we don't want to do more. We don't want to love people more than we have to. 
We, we don't want to be better than we have to. And so people in this day, and this is why Jesus was talking about it, were pushing it. Woo, they were pushing it. Instead of doing an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, they're like, well, that's just where we start. And so we're going to do two teeth for one tooth. And like over and over and over again, because we tend to push those limits. And he talks about that. And he says, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, and in this case, it means an insult. So I don't want people to test me by walking out and slapping me on the cheek. Although, I'll go ahead and turn the other cheek anyway. But uh, He's talking about insults and, and what people say, what people post, what people text, what people think. And that's really hard to hear and it's really hurtful sometimes. And, and yet he says, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek because they're going to say what they're going to say. And, and how you respond, usually not going to change anything. And so powerfully throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and especially here, he's talking about our personal relationship, our personal relationship with him, but our personal relationship with each other is because Christianity is not a solo thing. We need each other, and we're better together, and we can do things together that we can't on our own, and Jesus is always with us. And over and over throughout his messages, he always, instead of going right to the line, he says, go further. Go further. Uh, Judea was under Roman occupation, and so soldiers could ask them to, to walk for a mile with the stuff. And he's like, go two miles. Somebody asked for your shirt, give your coat. Whereas we want to stop at the line and maybe go a little under, he's like, go further. Go more. Instead of just treating others like you want to be treated, treat them like Jesus would treat them. And it's always further. It's always give to those who ask. Because without sacrifice, what is love? And who in the history of time, knows more about sacrifice and love than Jesus. He is both things, and he did both things. And yet, we know all of this. We know everything that he just said, and we believe it, and we try. But we still, in the back of our minds sometimes, have that thought, but what if I look weak? What if this person says this, or this person does this, or, or this happens to me, and I don't respond in kind, I'm going to look weak? Well, I ask you, I tell you, the strongest person that any of us know or, or, or have ever read about or been in contact with is Jesus. The strongest person ever in the way that he lived each day of his life, dealing with tremendous insult and hatred, and yet did nothing but stand against it. And he showed us this example. Um, I have a quote from Donald Miller, who was a businessman. And I'm going to go ahead and read the quote before I talk about it. Uh, here's the thing I've noticed. The greatest leaders, the ones who impact the world the most, are somehow able to turn the other cheek. It's as though they believe so solidly in love, so robustly in forgiveness. They have the ability to forgive and even love those who attack them. And so you may ask why I used a, a business leader. Well, let me give you in a little insight on my process. So when I'm preparing for a message... Uh, I read the scripture first, and I pray about it, and then I look at commentaries, and I go through it, and I, I really think, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray. And then I like to, to use quotes, and so I, was, I will often search for something. I'm like, well, I really want to start with that turn the other cheek thing. And so I searched, and I kept reading these quotes from Christians, and I was like, it started out okay, but it was, all, it was never, you know, turn the other cheek, this is how you do. It was trying to find ways around turning the other cheek. And I was like, how is this possible? And I see this businessman, and I don't know his faith, but I see what he says. And he's like, basically what he's saying is, 
it is so obvious when someone is really following Jesus. And it's hard sometimes, and we sometimes don't see the fruits of our labors or, or of our lives, and we sometimes don't see the seeds grow. And it's very rare that anyone will come up to you and be like, you know what, that one time in Walmart, I saw you truly show Jesus love. Because Walmart's better than Target, sorry. If you want to pay double for something, go ahead and go to Target. But uh, I truly saw you show, show Jesus love. I just saw it because people rarely do that because we don't do that because it's kind of awkward. But we don't do it for the reward. We do it to plant that seed. And I say again, those who follow Jesus, those who take the Sermon on the Mount to heart, those who do uh, turn the other cheek, who, who love as Jesus loves, it is so obvious and that's why it affected me so much when I saw those quotes saying, yeah, we don't really have to do this. This is what he meant. Because we all have that fear of looking weak, but man, it takes such strength to be able to do that. And it's easy. It's easy to look at politics, to look at our politicians, our leaders, to, to look at CEOs and people who succeed. People who are popular and famous and have awesome TikTok accounts. I've probably lost some people there. That's fine. That's for the best, believe me. But we look at that and we think, well, this is what success is. Like, this is how it is. And they step on people and they climb up the ladder and they do all this. And man, they really have the power right now. But that's so much easier. Because for us, success means something wildly different. And to be upside down, to live upside down, it means to be different, to be better, to be purposeful, to, to live a life that is Jesus' life to be different than the world, to look different, to sometimes look crazy, but to do all of that with such grace and such love. And it's natural to feel that need for revenge, to feel that desire. Everyone at some point wants that. They want revenge. They, they, they're angry when they're hurt. Hurt people hurt people. We want to hurt. Uh, there's a quote that I've used before, and I don't even know where it came from, but you can't stop a bird from landing on your head. In my case, I've had birds poop on my head a couple times. I hope it's not criticism of some sort, but uh, you can't stop that. I couldn't have done anything to stop that. But if I walked around the rest of my life with it in my hair, if you walk around and you let the bird nest in your hair, that's on you. And so what I'm saying and what Jesus is saying and what this is saying is you're going to have those initial thoughts of revenge, of anger, uh, of all of that, of I want to get them back, I want to get back double, I want to do this, I want to do that. You're going to have those. You can't stop that, but you can absolutely control where you go with that. And you can be like, whoa, whoa, this is not where I want to be, this is not who I want to be. And it's revenge never stops there. It never stops there. Because if somebody does something to you, and then you do it back, they're not going to be like, oh, well, we're even now, it's cool. They're going to do something twice as bad to you, and then you're going to do something twice as bad, and over and over and over again, and it's going to escalate and escalate and escalate, and it turns into hatred, and it turns into war. And you become, before long, what you were fighting against. Who you are, when everything's good, pretty easy. 
It's pretty easy to be a Christian when you're happy and when things are good and when you're blessed, you feel blessed. It's harder when things are bad, when it's tough, when you're brokenhearted, when you're hurt, when you're upset. But it's so important to remember who you are in those times, to not let the burden nest, and to look through other people's eyes. That's something Jesus said a lot, is to look through other people's eyes. Not to change your faith, not to change what you think, but to look through their eyes, to understand, to be better. I want to go to something Paul said. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Like Jesus, Paul says, go further. And it's so cool to read this because before Paul's conversion, he did not follow this. He was very much an eye for an eye and beyond person. And yet Jesus met him and saw something in him and blinded him and said, hey, You have a choice here. And to his credit, from that moment, Paul picked it up and stood up and did everything he could to be like Jesus. And so he says this, and he's not just saying it from a, this is what you should do. He's like, I learned that the other way is the wrong way. And he stands with it, and he goes, and he talks. And it is so much easier said than done. Because we all feel anger sometimes, and we all have that attitude of, I know, or or I think, or this hurts, or whatever it is. Uh, A long time ago, when I was younger, 70, 80 years, uh, I was about 15. And I may have told this story before, but bear with me. Uh, This was in the days when cereal boxes had legit toys. Not like today, where it's like a certificate for a certificate for a sticker. It's like actual toys, and so we had a Frosted Flakes box, and they had... uh, holographic baseball cards in it. And I really wanted a Griffey, and this was before the Reds ruined his career, but I really wanted a Griffey. And uh, I was so excited, I woke up and I went to that box and I I reopened it and it was already opened and the cards weren't there. And my cousin, who was younger than me, I knew he was there and my great-grandma had given him the cards and I knew it. And I was so mad. I was so angry and I ran out to the garage because I knew that's where they were and I pushed open the door but my hands went through the glass. I pushed it so hard I wasn't paying attention and I still have a scar on my wrist real close to an artery. And I'm not saying that in that moment I realized I got to get this under control but I started to realize that. And I realized this is what I do. What, What am I doing? Like it's baseball cards. But I didn't see that until I saw the harm that I'd done to myself. I live in the same world that you do. And so I see the same politicians, I see the same things, I know the same things that happen, I know how it feels to be a Christian in this world. I know how it feels to be insulted and hated, I I know I get that stuff. I feel anger at times. I feel the, the, the hope for revenge at times. But I have trained myself, thanks to him, to look at that scar and think, what are you doing? 
because it always causes more harm than good. And it is so obvious when you follow Jesus, like I said, it's as obvious as being an Alabama fan before yesterday. And we wear our jerseys and we wear our, our hats and we wear all that stuff. But people see it even when we don't know. And they see how we react. They see who we are. They see how we learn. And Paul goes on to say, it's about empathy, guys. And this is hard for him to say, I think. But it's about empathy. It's about weeping when other people weep. Even if you're happy. It's about being happy with other people, even when you're sad. It doesn't mean ignore your own emotions. It means see through other people's eyes. Try to feel what other people feel. Try to understand other people. <coughs> and over and over again, Jesus goes back to see through their eyes, see through other people's eyes, think how other people think, learn from them, understand, and then show who I am. Over and over, Jesus was hated. The love that he showed everyone, the complete and total love that he showed everyone was met with hatred. Over and over again, the honesty and the love and the kindness that he showed was met with insults. Over and over again, the hope that he gave was met with threats and anger. And over and over again, he stood tall against it all. And it did not change who he was, and it did not change what he said, and he tells us to do the same. He sacrificed in love, not just on the cross, we all know that, but each and every day. And I want you to think for a second what he went through. I'm not just talking the daily insults, I'm not just talking the disciples and all that stuff. I'm saying every time he went to give a message, every time he went to help someone, to heal someone, to give someone hope, there was a group of Pharisees standing right over there, heckling him. And yelling insults and saying, you're not who you say you are. And saying worse things than that and threatening him. Everywhere he went. Imagine that. Every time you do something good or say something good or have something important, there's a group of people standing there yelling at you. And yet, he stood and continued being who he is. He could have taken revenge. He could have ended them. But he continued speaking, continued loving, continued hoping, continued bringing that into the world. Our words absolutely matter. But our actions, our life, that shows who we are. It shows who we serve. And it shows others who they can be by serving him as well. It brings hope. And Paul talks about being humble and seeking peace. That's way contrary to the world. Because the world says, trumpet yourself and get what you want, no matter what the means are, by all means necessary. But we are called to seek peace. We are called to love others. We are called to go against the world, to be upside down, to be like Jesus. And yet, it's still, we're human, and it's like, but they're not seeking peace with me. So, uh, I have a story about Beatrice. Shocking, I know. Um, we, when we were at the mall this past week, uh, I was just sitting there watching her play, and it was so cool, because I, I struggle with anxiety and different things, and so it's hard for me to talk to people sometimes, and to watch her just be so confident and playing with all these kids, and uh, there was one point where she was with a little girl, and uh, the little girl was a little older than her, and they were throwing like this little football around, Kinda. Like they were throwing it, they weren't necessarily catching it, so it was like watching a Bengals game. And so 
sorry. And so they were throwing it back and forth. And then another little kid came over. And the other girl, I think was related, but I'm not sure. I didn't really talk to them. But they, start, they threw it a couple times. And Beatrice came over to me like this. And she sat next to me. And I said, what's wrong, sweetie? And she said, Papa, they're being fair to me. Now, we know that she meant not fair, but that's what she said. They're being fair to me. And I think sometimes we talk about it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. I don't think we'd like it if it were fair sometimes either. And so unknowingly, like she has this message to me and she's like, they're being fair, they're playing with each other. And she didn't mean it, she went back and played and it was fine, but we sometimes are so focused on what we want, on what our ideas, on what our life is that we forget about other people. But to seek peace, to be like Jesus, means that we care about everyone, even if they don't seem to care about us. Uh, I have a quote from someone very similar to Beatrice. It's Benjamin Franklin. So, the best thing to give to your enemy is forgiveness. To an opponent, tolerance. To a friend, your heart. To your child, a good example. To a father, deference. To your mother, conduct that will make her proud of you, uh, to yourself, respect, and to all others, charity. And that's Benjamin Franklin. He did pretty well for himself. He was very smart. Uh, he never became president, so he was obviously super smart. And he said this shortly after the war and at a time when everything was crazy, obviously. But he also had a, an interesting thing, and if you read his autobiography, he talks about it. Uh, he had an idea about enemies and people that didn't like you. And so there was one weekend where he was going out of town for something, probably to go to Disney World or something. And uh, he, he wanted his house taken care of. And he had this neighbor, nearby person who just hated him, couldn't stand him. Different political sides, all that stuff. And he went to him and he said, hey, will you take care of this? Will you do this for me? And it threw the guy. It threw the guy because he's asking him and Benjamin Franklin knows that the guy doesn't like him. And over time, that guy started to like him because he started to think, well, I'm doing this for him. I must like it. And so it's really clever because it shows us that the best way to destroy an enemy is by making him a friend. And that's so cool. Seeking peace is so much harder than making war. But it is so much more worthy. Uh, last part of the scripture, this is verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So I love Paul. And I love that, that God truly inspired the scriptures and gave him, you know, the, the heart and the desire and the words to say, but he still allowed each person to kind of have their personality. And so you see Paul saying, hey, do this so it heaps burning coals on people. But really, I think that means conviction. It convicts them. Because if somebody's being a jerk to you and you're nice to them, even if they don't stop being a jerk, some part of them is like, wait a second. Wait a second, what's happening here? I'm not changing them. And maybe a little bit, they'll start to get angrier and angrier. 
But our hope, our prayer, our life's goal is for eventually them to see, wait a second, why are they different? Why can't I get them to react? Why can't I get them to hate me back? And they'll start to look within themselves. And that's what Paul is saying and what he's hoping for. It is important to remember in this scripture tells us God is always in control. He's always in control. He's in control when we're happy. He's in control when we're sad. He's in control when things are good. He's in control when we fall and we're crying. He's in control all of the time. And he always is with us. And when he says, when Paul says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. And if they're thirsty, give them. That's insane. That is so contrary to the way we're told to do that it's like, how in the world is that possible? But again, Jesus did it. Jesus ate with sinners and gave them literally everything he had. As I said, the best way to destroy an enemy is to make them a friend. I have a quote, and this is one of my favorite quotes. I think about it a lot, especially in today's world. This is from Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. As Jesus and Paul both said, evil doesn't overcome evil. It just makes more evil in the world. The world is a very dark place. And if we add more darkness, it just doubles the darkness. If we are hated as Jesus was, if people show us anger and scorn and everything else and we return it, it just doubles it. It doesn't change it. Again, it just makes us what we're fighting against. It just changes us. And yet, if I were able to lower all the lights, and that's hard because most of it's sunlight, and make it completely dark in here, you'd still be able to see those candles very clearly. Because no matter how dark it gets, in fact, the darker it gets, the better you can see even a small light. It shines, and it shines, and it shines for miles. The more anger there is, the more hatred there is, the more vitriol there is the more even a small amount of love matters. And it's seen, and it is felt, and it shows. I remember, not at this church, but another church, and I won't see which one, and I won't say the people, uh, there were two board members there talking about politics. And they were talking like, hey, it's, not, it's just not fair. The other side can lie and do this, and we're not allowed to, because we're supposed to be Christians. We're stuck. And I just was shocked. Do we really feel stuck? No. This is such a better way. And it is absolutely harder. But it is such a better way to seek peace, to show peace, to show love, to show our light, to show Jesus' light. And Jesus cares about our happiness. But he does not call us to be happy. He cares about our comfort, but he does not call us to be comfortable. He cares about our hearts, knowing that at times they'll be broken. He cares about everyone, and he calls us to do the same, no matter what. <coughs> we had a funeral Friday, and Julie was speaking, and she said something that really caught me, and I wrote it down. God doesn't give us what we can handle. 
He helps us handle what we've been given. This series is about the fact that we must be better. We have to be more like him. The world desperately, desperately needs to see examples of Jesus. And we get to do that. We have the chance to show love in the face of hate, to show light in the face of darkness, to show hope in the face of anger. And it is a hard calling. But he does not walk away. And he walks with us when we're happy, when we're sad, and every step of the way along the path. We are never alone. And we are always loved. And so we have to go show everyone else what that is like. That's all I got.